Welcome to Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart. This week we are exploring the journey of Mrs. Deborah Croson, a retired middle grades and high school English language arts teacher who worked in the Illinois public schools for a decade. Deb received a bachelor's degree from Northern Illinois University. On the previous three episodes, we met Deb and heard stories from her narrative about connecting with students through written compositions, finding how students learn in different ways, and her reflections on time and the decision to retire from teaching. Today, we round out Deb's narrative as it stands now with a conversation about her father and his impact on her life and career. Each episode from my conversation with Deb features snippets from two short stories she wrote and agreed to share in this podcast series. Information about them and links to the full text of each are included in the episode description. I will start by reading aloud part of Deb's short story titled Earth in My Bones and then transition to portions of my conversation with Deb about how her father impacted her life and career. When time separates us from earlier experiences, it's easy to idealize our past. Memory has a way of diminishing the relentless labor that necessarily accompanied farm existence. My father often worked 15 hour days, rising at 5 a.m. to milk his dairy herd of his 100 plus girls, after which he mowed hay, fixed fences, and fed animals until the next milking at 5 p.m. He would happily stumble into our rambling old farmhouse at 8 p.m. to have dinner with my mother and his three daughters. We girls moaned and complained at the late dinner hour, but mealtimes were sacred. It was the only time we gathered as a family to discuss our day, laugh, argue, complain, or celebrate as a family. When I was two years old, my parents moved my sister and me from a town, from town to a farm my father cash rented two miles from Milledgeville, Illinois, a town in northwestern Illinois that boasted about a thousand souls. He had been working at a local grain elevator, but because he was born and raised on a farm, the earth was in his blood. When the opportunity arose, he jumped on it. For the next three years, my earliest memories were imbued with wandering the farm, riding my Shetland pony, and experiencing in a raw way the four seasons. My grandmother, a large German woman with thighs like tree trunks, taught me to gently steal a still warm egg from a hen's nest. Some months later, she grabbed that same hen and daftly whacked off her head with an axe while I stared spellbound as the blood spurted and the headless body danced in tall weeds. Later, after the hen had been dipped in boiling water, an unforgettable odor of wet feathers emanated from our kitchen as my grandmother plucked the poor creature and popped her into the oven for a delectable meal. A few years later, when I was five, my father moved us to a farm with more acreage, a bigger house, and more outbuildings. In a few years, he would realize his dream and purchase the 200-acre farm on contract. The spring in his step, the schemes he devised, and the sweat that poured from his limbs were in sharp contrast to my mother's dismay at being thrust further from town, six months pregnant with my younger sister, and faced with cleaning and painting a neglected mice-infested house. When we sat down to an evening meal those first few weeks, the mice appeared at the corners of our large kitchen to forage crumbs, sitting up and blinking at us while we ate our Swiss steak, mashed potatoes, and green beans. My older sister and I soon learned to ignore my mother's constant shrieks at the sight of the irascible rodents and her rantings against my father for bringing us to this godforsaken place. My father simply set out more traps and poison and assured my mother things would get better. Life did become more prosperous for my father due to his long hours of labor, building up his dairy herd, getting rid of the chickens and raising beef cattle and hogs. My parents sent their three daughters to college knowing that a good education would allow us opportunities they did not have. Like generations before them, my parents placed their entire trust in the idea that the land would sustain us and not fail them. 
If one worked hard enough, success would follow. It was a simple idea, but so many factors came into play and depended upon things over which we had no control. The weather and the price of corn, soybeans and milk, not to mention land values. Worries never ceased. Farming was always a gamble, and if the farm was not paid for, the results could be disastrous. It was the summer of 83 when I stopped by to visit my parents after completing my fifth year of teaching high school. It was my mother who told me, your father and I are in trouble. The bank's putting pressure on us. I vaguely knew that land prices and fuel costs had skyrocketed in the late 70s. Now values had plummeted. My father had paid off half of his debt, but he still needed to replace old machinery. Three years ago, he'd purchased at top dollar the 80-acre parcel of land adjacent to his land. But you guys will be okay, right, Mom? She cast her eyes out the large kitchen window where we were seated as she gazed at the feedlot and the blue grass pasture beyond it. I'm not sure. The bank may force your father to sell the cows. The dream my father had dared to pin his hopes upon began to crumble, bit by sorry bit, like the milkweed pod after it's gone to seed, its delicate tufts tossed high in the air by the wind. After he sold the cows, the bank forced him to sell his machinery and then finally the land. My parents retained the house and one acre, but their lives were broken with a sense of shame and failure at the slow demise of the family legacy. It would have been easy for my father to wallow in bitterness after the fruits of his lifelong labor had become plucked from his grasp. He was depressed and the blue fire of his eyes dimmed as he ranted against the bank, the government, and his string of bad luck. But in the end, he knew he was a survivor, and the only thing he knew was work. He opted finally for the job he'd had as an 18-year-old lad, that of a grain operator, where he worked 50 hours a week, chatted with farmers and grain haulers, and no longer worried about bringing in his own harvest. Well, as as I mentioned, my, my father uh, is not well-educated. He completed high school, but he always had this very strong German work ethic. He is full German. Um, uh, and he, he, and for him, I think the world is probably more black and white than it is for me, mm-hmm. but he has a very strong sense of what, you know, what is right is right, wrong is wrong. And he, he likes people. Um, he, he loves to do physical labor. And even to this day, he, oh, he um, ended up retiring at age 84. So that was right about the time that I wrote that essay. So he, yeah. So, so you have a man who um, early in his life was able to cash rent a farm, then go to another farm, had really good years of farming successfully. He made good money off the dairy herd. But then when the land values crashed as they did in the late 70s then he he got in financial trouble but he never had anything handed to him he was the youngest of four boys and my father's father my grandfather died when my dad was 10 years old Mm. of tuberculosis so so you so you have a man who for him you know hard work is just what it's all about and And I think that, you know, he always enlisted the help of his three daughters in the summers, which which we did. And we didn't um, we didn't think anything of it. 
it was what it, what was expected and we never gave any back talk. It was like, okay, this is what you have to do. And, and I remember, I, I remember this so clearly, there was never any question of whether, um, we three girls would go to college or not. It was just what was expected. And, and that was okay because I enjoyed school. I loved school and, and that was fine. So all three of us girls, you know, at least had our bachelors and then we went on to have successful careers. And I so appreciate my parents instilling the value of education. My father was on the school board for 12 years and he handed me my diploma. So that was pretty, pretty fine experience. That's really special. I guess the last thing I wanted to ask the story about your father, is he still with us? Oh yes. My father is amazing. (laughs) He's 88, will be 89 in April. He still lives on the big old rambling farmhouse, and I've tried to encourage him to buy, or we, Bill and I would buy him a small house in town. Nope, no way. (laughs) So so I talked to him. He's very careful. Spoonie, he has a long walk to the mailbox. I say, Dad, do you take your cell phone with you? He said, yeah. He said, I've been, when it's been so icy, I've been taking the lawn tractor out to get the mail. There you go. And then. And then he says, sometimes I take the snow shovel with me because he uses it as a cane or something to grip so he doesn't fall down. <laughs> and no, he's he's remarkable. Um, what, I, what I wanted to follow up with, has he read that piece you wrote about him? Yes. What did you think about it? He He loved it. Of course, he he didn't know he didn't know much what to say about it, but I know I know he did. Yeah, that's, that's really yeah. Great. And it was funny because it it's as much a tribute to my father as it is about growing up on the farm. I mean, it really is a tribute to him. So I kept thinking, I really have to share this with him. <laughs> so I did, and there've been a couple other pieces I've written that. Oh, like memories of my grandmother. And I shared those essays or that essay with him. And he, oh, he, he loved it. That's and great. Of course, I remembered things that he didn't remember. Oh, I'm sure. And yeah. it probably gives him a unique <laughs> lens to reflect, you know, at his age right now. And that totally doesn't surprise me that he's still living on the farm. It's just such a Midwest sensibility that like... There are many parallels between the work of a farmer and the work of a teacher. Both seek to yield an optimal harvest. Unknown elements and challenges present themselves each growing season. Times can and will be tough or lean or even downright brutal. However, it is hope that fuels both to continue and work towards the next day. I conclude by sharing the ending paragraph of Deb's short story titled Earth in My Bones. When I think of my father now, still working at the age of 83, I reflect back upon the time when he was a much younger man with his muscled, sun-bronzed arms, his baseball cap thrust back upon his brow, and his deep blue eyes framed by his perennial crew cut. I think of the thousands of miles he drove the tractor on fresh spring days, plowing the earth in straight furrowed rows, ever hopeful for the bounty the soil might offer, and how the earth seeped deep into his bones. That is how I will always remember him.
I want to thank Mrs. Croson for sharing her stories of teaching on this podcast, as well as her writing. This episode concludes Season 2 of Journeys of Teaching. Please follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, as well as on your major podcast platforms of choice, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. And stay tuned for Season 3, set to launch in winter of 2022. My contact information is in the episode description. This is Journeys of Teaching. I am Aaron R. Gearhart, and thank you for listening.